We would like to welcome you to Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Pastor Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina, and he has been teaching through a series on 2 Peter. We hope that you will join us as we begin Getting in the Word. Here's Pastor Stuart. Well, if you're joining us for the first time or you haven't been back in a few weeks, we've been working through the book of 2 Peter. And uh, we've talked about the main points of this book being warning against false teachers. And we are living in a day when this is on the rise. Um, And so we've seen it uh, in our day with the rise of cults. Uh, They exist. Uh, Books are being written. Denominations uh, have fallen into heresy. And it's truly frequent in our day And the more that I learn in my Christian walk, the more I see. And so this was not a surprise to Peter as he prepared this letter that he was writing to those in the days in which he lived, in which he experienced this rise in in these false teachers. He knew very good and well that even today we would experience the very same thing. And Peter wants to train us. He wants to teach us and reveal to us how we, as His children, the children of the Lord Jesus Christ, can stand as we face this infiltration of culture in which we live. And so he sets some ways and spots out these phonies that have come about, and he wants us to be able to do the same As Well, Well, we've been building on an outline, and this is where we are. If you remember, the salutation or the greeting was chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And then we discussed in chapter 1, 2 to 11, uh, avoiding false teachers by understanding three different elements. First, understanding our faith through a person. We looked at that in verse 2 of chapter 1. Uh, Chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, we looked at understanding our faith through power. That is the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we saw uh, verses uh, 1, uh, 5 to 11, understanding our faith through perseverance. And so that's always such an important uh, reminder that we as Christians uh, must persevere in the faith. I think it was uh, Hebrews Chapter, uh, let me look, chapter 12, verse 14. It's uh, such a good reminder um, that it says here, pursue peace, yeah, 12, verse 14, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. And so this perseverance that that, that Peter is driving is the reality that when you are born again from above, listen, there must be change in your life. The God of this universe does not invade your life, transform you, cast off that which is old, bring into that which is new, create in you a new life, and just leave you without change. So if you are living in your old self, You have no repentance over sin. You're consistently gossiping. You're consistently tearing down those around you. You are consistently walking in habitual sin. Listen, do not be surprised that the enemy has maybe faked you out to make you believe that something in you has changed when really the God of the universe has done nothing in you. Because he who began a good work, listen, will see it to completion. And so he drives home that understanding our faith through perseverance. And then we will look at today understanding false teachers ultimately in verses 12 to 21 by understanding the Scriptures. We are living in a day when there is a famine in the land. And it is a famine of the Word of God. And I am glad that I come from a long line of men who have exalted the Word of God, who have invested into me the Word of God, who have challenged me to memorize and know the Word of God. And I challenge you as well to know the Word of God. And so today as we look at verses 12 to 15, we're going to look at understanding the Scriptures through repetition. So today I want to bring out a few points that will help you remember 
uh, this message as you go throughout your week. Number one, I want us to see and understand that Paul, uh, uh, Peter expresses the importance of reiteration. Secondly, Peter expresses the importance of expectation. And thirdly, Peter expresses the importance of determination. So let's together look at our passage. If you will, turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 to 15. And here it reads, Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them. And having been established in the truth which is present with you, I consider it right, as long as I am in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the lying aside of this earthly dwelling is intimate. As also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will also be diligent that any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. You know, as, as I studied this passage, I couldn't help but see how vital reiteration is. And it was to Peter. I had to ask myself, why in the world was Peter so determined to remind the people of what they already had known to be true? Why was this important? This is a big question we need to ask for ourselves as we read this passage. Why does he emphasize retelling the people what they already know? Repeating, repetition, reiterating that which they already know to be true. Well, let me tell you why. It's simply because we're forgetful people. We forget that which is most common to us. I heard that studies showed that people retain about 5 to 10% of what they hear through spoken communication. And even when they're listening carefully, they lose about 40% of what they hear after two minutes. That's discouraging for a preacher, <laughs> by the way. I mean, you've already lost 40% of what I've already said. They lose 60%. After a half a day. You, you, you want to test that? What did we preach on last week? <laughs> it's, it's a reality, guys. And they lose 90% after a week. People are forgetful. I am forgetful. You are forgetful. And look, there are theories out there which explain why we are forgetful, but the fact is, we as people need, by way of reminder, the things which are important from the Word of God. That's why we have holidays, birthdays, all of these different dates that are set aside. Why? To allow us to be reminded. I have seven children. Ask me what their birthdays are. I have it on my phone. Ask me the year, I definitely can't tell you. But nevertheless, reiteration is vitally important. Didn't God know that you and I were forgetful? Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 12. Let's flip there, if you will. Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 12. And if you don't have your Bible, I encourage you to bring it. It's kind of like going to dinner without a utensil or going to a baseball game without a glove. You can still go, but it's hard to play. Nevertheless, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 12. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as signs on your hand and they shall be on you as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates 
Then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land which was sworn to your father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give to you great and splendid cities which you did not build and houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn cisterns which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, and you eat and are satisfied. Then watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. Why does God want us to always be reminded? Because we as Americans are blessed. We have been given so much to be thankful for. And in our prosperity, many of us have left our first love. And He wants by way of reminder that even in the midst of His goodness, even in the midst of His blessing, even in the midst of His prosperity, do not forget the God who gave it all. Even His Son, Jesus Christ, the greatest gift of all. We are forgetful people, and God knows it. Peter knows it. And that's why we see passages like 2 Kings 17, verse 38, and the covenant that I have made with you, you shall not forget, nor shall you fear other gods. 1 Chronicles 16, 12, remember His wonderful deeds which He has done, His marvels and, and the judgment from His mouth. There is passage after passage after passage that shows us that we so easily can forget. Now we're good about remembering issues, problems, tragedies. Let someone hurt you, offend you. You will never forget it. And many of us like to tell everybody else. Why is it that we can remember all of the things that we don't like, but we forget the goodness of God? We, every year, are reminded of 9-11. What's the phrase you see posted everywhere during that time of the year? Never forget. We got motorcycles and Paintings that say never forget. We have flags that fly never forget. The Jewish people of Israel do the same thing. Why? Because we are forgetful people. And if we are not reminded, we simply forget. Out of sight is out of mind. If you don't study the Word of God on a regular basis, you will forget. You will lose that. One of the places that I visited while I was on my 30-day study tour in Israel was the Holocaust Museum. It was a place that was filled with reminders of concentration camps. It was filled with reminders of those lives that were lost. And no matter your age, babies, children, adults, even elderly, were all ravished during this time. And this place was established for one purpose, so that we would never forget how evil evil can be. The Jewish people, I was told, visit there every year so that they would not forget. They promised to never, ever, ever again let happen what happened to them to happen again. You see, a good teacher like Peter understands the importance of reiteration, bringing to our remembrance by way of reminder because we are indeed forgetful people. Now it's true that while many remember these events, they forget their God. Isaiah 17.10 says, For you have forgotten the God of your salvation and have not remembered the rock of your refuge. Listen, I don't know what you face. I'll, I do know this, you face things in life. You face difficulties, you face challenges, you face all of these things that life brings your way. And in the face of those, how many have forgotten the goodness of God? 
even in the face of tragedy, if, even in the face of difficult situations and circumstances. We need to understand that we are forgetful people. Peter understood it, and that's why he wants to bring us by way of reminder. I've had people express their discontentment in the past with the fact that I repeat so much in my sermons that maybe even feel that I share the gospel too much. Every Friday I preach the same message, I share the gospel. Why? Because by way of reminder, by way of encouragement, it's such an important thing because it's good to bring the Word of God to people by way of reminder. And Peter feels the same way. And that's why he says here in this first uh, verse, uh, verse 12, Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have established in the truth which is present with you. He starts out with, therefore, and we should always ask the question, what is therefore, therefore, when we uh, evaluate the text? Well, Peter is taking us backwards. Yes, he's taking us backwards to what he has already previously spoken on. Therefore, because I've spoken to you about salvation that you have in verses 1 and 4, understanding the false teachers by understanding your salvation, because I've spoken to you about the assurance that you have in verses 5 to 11, about the divine nature that you obtain as you believe and put your faith in Christ. Therefore, he says, I will always be ready to remind you of these things. Don't miss that Peter's, this is his last words, basically. He is writing with urgency. Typically, we, when we know it's the last thing that is being said, is that that of most importance in what we say. If you knew you were going to die and you had an opportunity to write a letter to those whom you love, would you not write that which was most important for them to know, either about you or about the Lord? Of course you would. Paul is another man that felt it that it was important to remind people to be a man of reiteration, to be honest. Paul didn't have a problem with it. Peter didn't have a problem with it. He says in Philippians 3.1, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is not terrible or trouble for me to write the same thing to you again. It is a safeguard for you. So we can come this morning and understand that when we encounter something that is reiterated, repeated, it is indeed a safeguard if it is that which is the Word of God. Sometimes I think all we want is new information. We live in a culture that wants to create new information because um, maybe it draws attention. But there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing that hasn't been revealed that hasn't been revealed through the all-sufficient Word of God. The old saying is, if again, there's nothing new under the sun, and if it's new, it's not true. We need to be reminded of these basic things in our Christian walk. Things like salvation. That it is not a work of man, but it is an act and grace and merciful act of God. Not that you loved God, but that God loved you and sent His Son into the world. We need to understand things like assurance. That nothing can separate you from the love of God who is in Christ Jesus. We need to be reminded of things that the Word of God calls us to be reminded of. And if we come with closed minds to things we already know, then it shows our own carnality. We show that we have ears that are dull. Shows us that really inside we are unteachable. Now, much of what you read in the Scriptures you already remember. That doesn't negate the responsibility, does it, to memorize 
to know the Word and to read the Word and to study the Word. Right? Psalm 1. We're called to meditate on it day and night. To be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season. And all that we do, what? It prospers us. But it's meditating on the Word of God. Knowing it. Being, being in it over and over. We, we need like crockpot theology. Not like McDonald's drive through We need the Word of God to sit there and simmer and smolder and, and marinate in our system so that we can be the mouthpiece for which the Lord wants us to be. Because if you remind, if you're reminded, He says, I will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. But we must be stewards, not steward, but stewards of the Word of God. Paul even says it's a safeguard to be taught the same thing. You know, when I was discipled by John, it was reiteration of memory verses, personal quiet time, prayer. When I went to Bible college, it was a reiteration on Scripture memory, quiet time, prayer, and doctrine, and doctrine, and doctrine, and doctrine. And then I went to this school, and it was doctrine, and doctrine, and doctrine, and doctrine. And then I went to uh, Dallas Theological Seminary, and it was doctrine, 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 doctrine. Then I went to the Master Seminary, and guess what's happening there? Doctrine, 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 doctrine. Why? Because we need it to be repeated over and over. And then guess what? After I'm done with all of this, guess what happens? Doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. I'm teaching doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. And then I teach salvation, the doctrine of salvation from the pulpit. Ten weeks, doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. Then I get online and I'm teaching online. Doctrine, 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 doctrine. Salvation, justification, regeneration. All of these things. Why? Because I need it just as much as you need it. Why? Because it's wise. It's a safeguard for you. So that when you go out into this world, and the world says, this... And you see this, red flag, that ain't biblical. How do you know? Well, unless you know the Word of God, you don't know. But if you are in repetition of sound doctrine over and over and over and over and over until it's coming out of your ears like quail and manna, then you can stand firm in the faith. And you're not easily manipulated by the false teachers in our day who I promise you want to bring you to their side and convince you that they know what's true. When in reality they are in error. I was preaching the Gospel Friday and I had a gentleman in the chat room who was blowing up the chat calling me a preacher of the doctrine of demons because I was teaching by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Now my faithful wife, who was wise enough to see the falseness in the accusations, blocked them and banned them. And then we had about a, an hour debate afterwards. Nevertheless, listen, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And reiteration, repetition of sound doctrine will help you be established in your faith, to stand firm in the face of the enemy. That I promise you, when you are standing up for that which is true, if the enemy isn't attacking you, you ought to be concerned. But nevertheless, we need to make sure that we are like Peter, being reminded. Now we live in a time when everything is changing. And uh, it's, it's just that much more important for us to stand firm, planted, brand new spiritual life um, is important to grow. But brand new spiritual truth, listen, does not exist. It may be brand new to your ears or my ears, but it is not true, it's not new. Jude verse 5 even says that he wanted to remind his readers of what they already knew. So we not need to be discouraged or close our ears to something we already know. No, we need to be encouraged when we go over the basics of the faith. 
because we need that reminder. It's a, it's, it's a refreshing uh, by way of reminder that we can hide our hearts in the truth of His Word. Remember, we're talking about avoiding false teachers in the context. We haven't gotten there yet, but this is the primary idea of the entirety of the book of Second Peter. Doctrine is vital to the Christian. You may know it, but until you can walk someone through it, you haven't grasped it yet. And therefore, we need by way of reminder to be told over and over and over, and one day it will be so clear that you will be able to decipher and to hand out that information for yourself. For the last 17 years, we have celebrated uh, my daughter's birthday. But again, I need that reminder. So I have it in my calendar on my phone to, to ping me, and then we also pay Caroline to be my reminder, and she sends me a text every day of whose birthdays and whose anniversaries. Why? Because I want to not forget your anniversary and your birthdays because I want to tell you happy birthday and happy anniversary. Um, I need those reminders. I've been married now for almost 19 years. See that? I did a good job. <laughs> and, uh, and it'll be 19 years, May 18th. Um, but for the first many years, I had to be reminded of that uh, so that I did not forget and, uh, and get myself into a world of issue. And, and gentlemen, just by way of reminder, don't forget your anniversary. Um, it's important. We need to hear and we need to be taught by way of reminder. So when the false teachers are on the arise, which they are, we can see their doctrinal error. Now, I'm not talking about non-salvific doctrine, okay? We can disagree on certain things within the Christian faith and be mature enough to fellowship with those who have a different agreement than we have. That's not what I'm talking about. We, we, have, to, we have to tone back the, 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 the terminology of heresy, right? We can agree to disagree and be mature. We agree a whole lot more on things than we disagree on things, most likely if you're born from above. We need to be reminded of those things so that when they, the, the false teaching is arising and there are doctrinal errors, we can see where they compromise the Word of God here or there and we can see the, the little... Because typically it's not a big lie. It's just a small little smidget of a lie tucked into truth. But a little bit of lie is a lie. And a little bit of error is error. It's either true or it's false. And so we need to make sure that by way of reminder, we can stand as we face these difficult days and determine truth from error. If it's true that we lose 90% of what is said in the sermon, then you might need to watch it again at this video. <laughs> uh, we need reminding of basics of the faith. And it's why we have historically, as this church operated twice a year, the fundamentals of the faith, because we want to be bringing to you a reminder of the things that are basics. But if we lose those things, we, we certainly need the reminder. So he says again, Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you. Peter is, is simply like, I am ready to remind you guys. He, he's basically saying, I had a front row ticket to the truth of God and His Word, His teachings, His healings, His miracles. Peter says this, and, and I still failed. So, so I will be ready to remind you of the truths of the things so that maybe you won't be like me and fail where I failed. I like Peter's heart here. He, he's not telling you you're slow and ignorant, that you don't get it. He, he is addressing these brothers and sisters with a high level of respect and makes it very clear 
that He is going to, by way of reminder, even though you already know these truths, that what salvation is, that it is a work of God, not a work of man, lest no man boast, that you do indeed have this eternal security when you are born and sealed in by the Holy Spirit, and that He who began a good work in you will see it to completion? When, when He can remind you of these things, you can be encouraged. And Jews are like, we're going to make sure our kids walk through this museum, this Holocaust, every year for the rest of their lives. They are still flying Jewish people from America, paying for their trip to come and walk through the Holocaust Museum. Why? Because they not only want the Jews there to be reminded, but they want the Jews here to be reminded. Why is it so important? Well, when things get good, when your belly is full, the lights are on, when work is abundant, and uh, your bank account is on the rise, it's overflowing, overflowing. Nope. <laughs> it's so easy to forget God. And I think that's why the Scripture says, give me just enough, Lord, that I don't forget You. Not so little that I need to steal, but just enough that I can be thankful. And I don't know about you, but God has by His grace over my life provided just what I've needed. And when the bank account rises, I say, oh boy, watch out. <laughs> Something's fixing to happen. Because He doesn't never give us too much extra. Right? So, 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 so what I've learned is try to give some of it away first. <laughs> um, but it's so true. I mean, you know, just in my personal experience in the last week, we, 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 we had some extra money. We did a big job and, and that money has been sitting there permeating. I'm like, okay, Lord, it's been sitting there for a little while. And, and then uh, my wife's car breaks down. Uh, then, then my daughter's car breaks down and I carry my wife's van to the shop and I pay for that and I take my daughter's car to the shop and pay for that and I go pick up my daughter's car, get home and it's like, okay, it's fixed. She gets in the car, cranks it up, never makes it in the driveway. I get there to pick up the van and crank it up. Paid for it, but it was never fixed. It's just like over and over, isn't it? I'm like, okay, Lord, I appreciate the extra. <laughs> but nevertheless, He wants us to be reminded. And so He says, then, watch yourselves that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. Don't forget God when things are good. Don't forget God from what He brought you out of. You remember your life before Christ? You remember the, the sin, the rebellion, the hate that you had for Almighty God, and He by His grace bestows salvation upon you, and you're saved. And when we, re when we are reminded of His goodness, boy, we don't want to go get back in the old car, do we? We want to drive the new car. We need to be reminded of His goodness. Though you may know it, remember. Remember. Reiteration breeds understanding. The second thing that Peter does on top of expressing the importance of reiteration is secondly, Peter expresses the importance of expectation. Here in verse 13 and 14, Peter says, I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder. There it is again. He's reminding you that he's going to remind you. Knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is intimate, as also our Lord Jesus has made clear to me. Here we see it again. Peter is convinced of his duty to help people recall what they already know. And so he says, so as long as I'm in this earthly dwelling, what is he talking about? Well, he's talking about his body. The Greek word gives the idea of a tent. Paul uses the same word in 2 Corinthians 5.1 when he says, For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have, we have a building from God, 
A house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. Take this body away, it's okay. We have an establishment that is eternal with God. A building gives the idea of permanence, but a tent gives the idea of something that is temporal. My kids said, Dad, we want to go camping. I said, bad idea, it's hot. There's something about sleeping on the ground that does not intrigue me. Nevertheless, I will probably go camping. But the idea of a tent is that you go set it up, and when you're done, you remove it. It's temporal. It's a place of temporal residence. As long as I'm in this tent, this shell which holds my spirit, I will consider it right to remind you as I am going to do it by stirring you up. Now the Greek word here for stir gives the idea of arousing. It means to wake up. It means to stimulate one's thinking. And Peter desires that his word, listen, would pierce the hearts of his believer, of these believers and wake them up so that they would and they could reject the false teachers that are definitely coming. Some people need to be awakened. And uh, let me scan to see if there is anybody who literally needs to be awakened. Now it looks like everybody's awake this morning. Nevertheless, sometimes we need to be reminded in John 6.18, Jesus is about to walk on water. And in verse, in this verse it says, the sea began to be stirred up because of a strong wind was blowing. Same idea. He, he wants to stir us up so that we are awake and that we are thinking properly that we are not asleep theologically, that we are not asleep doctrinally, so that when you do face those who are, who are not living righteous lives, those that are teaching false doctrine, you are awake and you can say, no, that's not true. No, I'm awake. You're not going to fool me. I'm not sleeping. I'm not a slumber in my theology. So it's important. He wants to stir us up. So that we can think properly. We are to consider this for this world. I'm reminded of this tent. and, And I'm thinking that we need to be reminded that this is not our home. That this body is perishing. Some of you are like, Amen. Because you feel it on a daily basis. You're maybe not as sharp as you used to be. I know I'm not. I'm 43. Just turned 43 last week, I think. I need to be reminded. Maybe you've encountered some difficulties in this fleshly body and you're struggling. Listen, this world is temporal. Everything here is temporal. This is not your home. Fight the battle for the future. Now, I love this United States of America. I love the freedom that we have. But we need to be reminded this is not our home. This is a tent. It's temporal. But the Lord says, I go and prepare a place. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come again and receive you to myself. That way I'm there, you may be also. Listen, our future is what we should be living for. Everything we do in this life ought to be focused on that which is unseen. Not that which is seen, because that which is seen is temporal, but that which is unseen is eternal. Listen, what shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Peter says, I consider it right as long as I'm in this earthly dwelling, this temporal place of residence, to stir you up, to wake you up, to arouse your mind by way of reminder because we should have an expectation that we will not always be here to do so. As I look across here, I see fathers. I see grandfathers. I see grandmothers. I see mothers. 
You have an opportunity to remind those children, those grandchildren and those great-grandchildren of the great truths of God's Word. If you're not going to do it, who in the world will? Talk about the things that are important because one day those itty-bitties are going to be no longer itty-bitties. And if they're not used to talking to you about those things, what makes you think when they're big they will? Teach them. Remind them of what God has done for you and in your life. You are a walking encyclopedia of God's goodness and God's grace on your life. Your life is not over until you're dead in the casket or in the ground or burned up by fire or whatever the case may be. You are all going to die. I'm going to die. You're going to die. What kind of legacy are we going to leave? We need to be reminding those in whom God has entrusted to us for such a time as this of the basic truths of God's grace and God's goodness. He says in verse 14, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is intimate. It's about to happen. It's also our Lord Jesus Christ that has made it clear to me, he says. Listen, our laying aside of this flesh will happen. It's coming. You can't hide from it. Death does not discriminate. Doesn't care how old you are. Doesn't care how young you are. There is an appointment and you will meet your Maker. And you will stand before the Creator of this heaven, your mother, your father, your aunt, your uncle, your mom, your daddy, your brother, your sister will not be there with you. Your husband, your wife, your spouse, your fiancé, your cousin, your uncle, whoever it is, you will stand before this Creator face to face by yourself. And you will give an account. We are going to die or He is coming here. It really makes no difference. It matters which side of the line we are on. Hebrews 9.27 says, And as much as it is appointed for men to die once, after this comes the judgment. You have an appointment. I don't know what that appointment is. I'm on page 12 of 16. My appointment might be on page 15. Somebody can finish out if I kill over, but nevertheless, we all have an appointment. And that should stir us up. It's Peter and his love for his people that he is there to remind them, to stir them up, because he knows that long before, before long he will lay aside his earthly dwelling. I've talked to my wife about my own life and what happens to me when I go to be with the Lord and my desire to leave a legacy. I don't have much to give my children, but I hope and I pray that by God's grace, the hours, the life, the advice, the teaching, the admonition and desire for them to walk in the ways of the Lord, will be a legacy that no one will ever be able to give them but me. What will be your legacy? I was with a gentleman the other day, and I was driving down this driveway, and there are all these trees, beautiful oak trees. And I said, can you think of who planted these so many hundred years ago. The legacy of what they thought it would look like. And today we see it. This beautiful canopy. Listen, what you do now will come to light to the next, second, third, and fourth generation. Where are you investing your time, your talent, and your treasure? Listen, this is not about Stuart Guthrie. About, oh, dad was a great dad. 
If, if my children stand before my funeral and they say, Dad was the greatest dad ever, and they never share the goodness of God, I have failed as a parent. I want them to say very little about me. I want them to say how good of a God my father worshipped. Because this life is but a vapor. And we will stand before the Lord. What kind of legacy will you leave? I want to keep by way of reminder teaching God's Word. It takes expectation to do that. Expecting that the end is in sight. Because if we live like we're going to live for eternity, then we will give of our times, our talent, and our treasure like we'll have it forever. But when we understand that this is a days are numbered, that we will stand before the Lord sooner than later, some sooner than others, boy, it changes our perspective, doesn't it? It gives us an urgency to make the impact. It takes expectation in knowing you might not be here tomorrow, that you can't afford to not prepare your children and your children's children. There are so many wacko teachings out there today that your children will encounter when they step onto a college campus. You know, uh, John Chittister said in the Sunday school class this morning, someone asked him, do you think it's wise to send my kid into the military? And this is what he said, not if they're not mature in the faith. Why? Because it's not a godly environment. Listen, is it wise to send your kids to a university that is anti-God? Not if he's not mature in his faith. And I'm not talking about they know Adam and Eve. I'm not talking about they know that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. No, I'm talking about the hard questions. The theological confusions. The manipulation of the doctrine of salvation. Because the false teachers will first attack your salvation. And if you don't know it inside and out, Boy, it is so easy to be confused and manipulated. Listen, it's our job as parents, fathers, leaders of the home, mothers, teachers, pastors, elders, to keep reminding people of godly doctrine, to train the next generation to carry the torch of truth. As I look across this room, I see all these young people and I realize that Yamasee doesn't have a whole lot to offer them. But by God's grace, there will be. And by God's grace, as we look across this room, these next young people will be the next generation of church leaders, pastors, teachers, mothers, disciplers. And we need to invest into them. Are you investing into your children by reminding them of godly doctrine? training them on the truth, doing so with expectation that we are leaving soon. Listen, we have to understand true, historical, reliable doctrine so that when the teachers bring up this false stuff, when another pastor is preaching to you, you can see so clearly, oh, that's not right. Or at least that doesn't sound right. Right? Because as you are reminded over and over again, it sticks. And you can tell when something doesn't taste just right. Right? Jen had lost her smell a few months ago. I hope you don't mind me telling this story, babe. <laughs> we, we had the no-no a few months ago. You're safe. We have herd immunity here. Um. But she was making one of my favorite dishes, and that was quesadillas. Uh, the problem was she couldn't smell. And she sprinkled that wonderful cheese and that meat in there, and she fried it up, and it took one little bite to realize the cheese was stinky. It was rotten. She couldn't smell it. 
because her smeller wasn't working. But our smellers were working. <laughs> the reason we knew that it was bad is because we knew what the good tastes like. We knew because we've had it over and over and over by way of repetition. Listen, when you eat the truth of God's Word over and over and over, when someone serves you a dish of stinky Scripture, you know it doesn't taste good. But if you never eat of the Word of God, then you have no clue whether it tastes bad or good. And you are the only one who knows whether you have a regular diet of God's Word. I don't know. You, listen, you might have one on your dash. It, the pages might be falling out just because it's about rotted from sitting on the dash too long. But, but nevertheless, you know if you've been studying the Word of God. You know if you've been a faithful disciple of the Word, a student of the Word of God. We need to know the truth because the truth will set you free so that when error comes, you can say, no, 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 no. I, I see that. I don't agree with that. We need to have an urgency of knowing the truth and speaking truth and doing it and teaching it because we have an expectation that soon we will depart from this world. We will lay aside this earthly dwelling and we will take upon the building that God has established. We will go home to be with the Lord. And He will say, well done, my good and faithful servants. It will be a beautiful picture that day. Paul struggled. He says, man, I want to go home. I want to go home to be with the Lord. And, and I think we all have that tension, don't we? We should. We, we should desire to be home with the Lord. I think about my dad a few weeks ago as he planned to go up and fix his AC unit. But the Lord had other plans and whoosh, straight down through the ceiling. It, it could have killed him like that. Busted his foot up, had to have surgery, cracked his back, fractured his back, and he's laid up for the last two weeks. He could have, he could have been gone home with the Lord but God in His grace. Listen, we don't know when we're going. Peter had some great insight as to when he would see the Lord. He says in verse 14 here, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is intimate as also the Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. When did the Lord make clear to him? Well, if you recall in the book of John, about 37, 38 years prior to Peter's writing, or, or this was read in John 21, 18 to 19. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and, and, where, and went where you wanted. But you, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Listen, you will die. I can't tell you by which way, but I can remind you, follow Jesus. Follow the Lord. Peter knew he was going to die. He was getting old in his urgency about teaching was first and foremost because of His expectation. Do we live with this kind of drive? Does this wake us up in the morning and give God thanks? Every morning our eyes crack open we say, thank you God for yet another day. Give me an opportunity to be about your business. We don't know the day or the time that we have left on this earth but it should drive us to be all that God wants us to be for His glory. 
Listen, the final third and final point I want to make today is that Peter not only expresses the importance of reiteration, expectation, but also thirdly, Peter expresses the importance of determination. There was a special determination about Peter. There was a faithfulness about his serving and about his teaching. Peter was determined to to make sure that we today would remember. And so he wrote it down not only for them to see, but for us to see for all over time. And so he says here in verse 15, And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to reminder. He knew that when he died, if he didn't do a good job of reiterating, making known what they had already known to be true, that maybe they would forget. But in his determination, in his faithfulness, in his consistent preaching and teaching of the Word of God and sound doctrine, he wanted to make sure that when he was no longer around, that they would be prepared to stand on the truth of God's Word for themselves. Now, I don't know how long God has me on this earth, But I want you to be able to recall the gospel to mind, the word of God to mind, when you were encountered with false teachers, and to be able to be revealing of the truth. These things that he wrote prior, and all that is in this letter is a part of that which is important doctrine. Listen, do you know salvation today? Have you put your faith in Christ alone for your salvation? Maybe you've just come today, somebody's invited you, you really didn't want to be here, but nevertheless, you're sitting there listening online, watching on the internet, and you are not a born-again believer. You've never personally put your faith in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen, I want you to know today is the day of salvation. It was the God of heaven who busted through the floor system of heaven and became a man and lived a righteous life because you and I were not able to. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Listen, you can't be good enough for if salvation become from keeping the law, Galatians 2.20 says, then Christ died needlessly. No, Titus 3.5 reminds us that it was by His grace and His mercy, not by your righteousness, your deeds, done in righteousness, lest, listen, Christ died in vain. No, it is a work of Almighty God sending His Son Jesus Christ to reestablish a broken relationship because Isaiah 59.2 says, Our sin has made a separation between us and God. And man in his best attempts through morality, through living a good life, from going to church, reading his Bible, doing whatever it is you've done in your own strength, listen, nothing can bridge that gap. Unless God in His mercy sends a Savior that He can now become your sin and impute to you His righteousness. Because let me tell you what, in order to get to heaven, you must be absolutely perfect and holy. And you will never do that in your own strength. It is only because you've been covered in the blood of the Lamb. And when Jesus sees you, He doesn't see you. He sees His Son, Jesus Christ. Have you put your faith in Christ today? Because if you think for a moment you can work your way to heaven, you have missed it and you will be sadly disappointed. And he will say, depart from me, for I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. It is by grace, through faith, in Christ alone that we are saved. Have you put your faith in Christ? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, I give to you what is in first importance, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, the gospel by which you are saved. Would you call on Him today? I know it's by way of reminder I tell you these things. But it took several times for me to hear, for my ears to no longer be dull. And when God opens your eyes, it's time to respond. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And the Bible says you will be saved. To those that received Him, He gave the right to become children of God, which pre-assumed you are not a child of God until you receive Christ. Receive Him today. Let's pray. Hey, thanks for joining us on our program today. We pray that you were challenged, encouraged, and hope that you will stay connected with us for the weeks to come as Pastor Stewart walks us through 2 Peter. If you don't have a church home, Pastor Stewart would like to personally invite you to join their worship service at Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina. They meet each week at 11 a.m. For more information about the church, visit them at familybiblefellowship.org. Thanks again for being with us. God bless and have a great week.